Hi, I'm Antonia Blythe, and this is 20 Questions on Deadline. Joining me today is Alison Bree. Welcome, Alison. We got second place in my seventh grade lip sync contest for one of the songs on that album. The one that was like, you've already won me over. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. It's a very slow. all the options. In spite of me. Like, what did we do? It's so slow. Don't forget to listen to 20 Questions on Deadline. Thank you again, Alison. Thank you. Have you heard about the social media platform for kids? It's called Zikazoo. It's a great place where kids like me can come together to make fun videos. Videos moderated by real people who review content before it's posted to the feed. I love the dance challenges. I love that it's Kids Safe COPPA certified. Uh, I don't know what that means. It means it has built-in privacy protections for your online data. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network. For kids. <laughs> Download the Zigazoo app today. This is The Edge with Jonathan Von Tobel and Matt Humans on VSN, the sports betting network. All right, welcome in. It's another edition of The Edge. We're whole. We're complete again. Not only is Matt Santos, our producer, of course, who's not here on Fridays anymore, around, but Matt Humans is here too. So the Mats are back, uh-huh. and we are complete. We are a family once again. Okay. What's up, man? It's great to be back. <laughs> okay. We are family. He doesn't want to call us a family. I was back in the office with Chris Andrews and Jimmy Vaccaro talking about uh, the playoffs weekend, and Chris said it was a monster handle here yep. at the South Point. If you saw Jimmy Vaccaro posting tickets, yep. uh, it was just one big bet after another, including several big bets on that Rams-Buccaneers uh, game. Uh, I asked uh, Chris, where does – you know, where does that Bills Chiefs game rank for you in playoff history? Because we talked about it last night. No hyperbole. It's one of the great, greatest it's NFL one. playoff games you've ever seen. I've seen for sure. Uh, Chris said it's number two for him. Number one's the Immaculate Reception game. Of course. Raiders yep, Steelers. Yep. He's a Pittsburgh guy. <laughs> Steelers guy yeah. uh, number two would be last night. Jimmy said yesterday's game, the best he has ever seen. Really? So Jimmy ranked at number one. So yeah. there you go. It was an incredible game and an incredible weekend. And you see this, by the way, because you mentioned some of the big bets here. We talked to Chris on Friday when you were gone. City was pretty evenly balanced, like uh, across the board, uh-huh. in terms of what the results could be for this weekend. You see, uh, per Caesar Sports and uh, via Patrick Everson, some of the other big wagers that were out there this weekend uh, $220,000 on the Bills plus two and a half. <laughs> that sucks. $110,000 on the Rams, wow. Bucks under 48 and a half. That sucks. 27 to 3. Uh, 110000 on the Bills, Chiefs under 55. 26 That's, 21. Uh, that sucks. Eight. And $100,000 on the Bills money line, plus 115. Wow. At one point, all four of those bets looked like they would be winners, and all four were losers. Oh, boy. Football for you, huh? That's tough. But it's, uh, that was good news for the sports book right there to sweep up about a half a million on those four bets. Oh, yeah. So in, in what a weekend it was. And this is like, you know, you go across and you read results and reactions uh, from everybody, right, across the sports gambling space. It was a weekend. And the divisional rounds, I think, always deliver. But this one seemed to be pretty spectacular, right? Where you get all four games pretty much coming down. Actually, no, all four games coming down to the final play, uh-huh. right? Every single one of them within a single score. You see Jason Scott, Bet MGM National VP of Trading, says it, quote, uh, when I dig into the numbers, it was a record day for us in Nevada, including all previous Super Bowls, right? So we're talking about a massive day. In-game opportunities also, of course, included in that. It, it just seemed like not only just a regular good sports day, but from a betting perspective, things were all over the place. Yeah, that quote was uh, via Patrick Everson. It covers, too. Patrick Everson, I think, is the hardest-working guy on the weekends and uh, does a hell of a job. But that, that's an eye-opening. By the way, props.com now. Huh? Patrick Everson, props.com. Did I say covers? He did. Yeah, he did move to props. No. Uh, when you see that quote, 
Well, it's a record day, including all previous Super Bowls at MGM. That's an eye-opener. Uh, I knew the, the handle was going to be off the hook, and the win, you knew it was going to be big when the Packers fell apart Saturday night. And uh, Saturday was a huge day for the book. Sunday, um, not so much. It was probably like a wash or a small winter, but Saturday was a huge uh, day for the books. Yep, and um, Saturday, I was with uh, everybody and their mother on the Green Bay Packers. Felt like it was going to be a pretty good result after you see the opening drive go for a touchdown. And, of course, the fact that it looked like they were maybe going to pull away after they tack on a field goal late, but ultimately not the case. Well, That's 10 points well, in the fourth Let's be honest about it. Yeah. Packers blew it. Oh, they did. They, they choked again, second year in a row in the playoffs in their home field. Before the half, when Jimmy G threw the interception, and Kyle Shanahan made the mistake of calling the timeout when the Packers looked like they were content to go to the locker room ahead 7-0. He called the timeout. Aaron Rodgers hit a big pass play. All of a sudden, the Packers are in scoring position. They had a chance to go up 14-0 before the half. Yep. You got, a, you got a chance right there to go up two touchdowns. Uh, they blew it. They had to settle for a field goal, and the field goal gets blocked. And that's when things started to unravel for the Packers. So instead of being up 14-0 or 10-0, they go in the half up seven, and they blow it in the second half. Yeah, some of the worst special teams you'll, I think, ever see from a National Football League team, right? Yeah, not just, of course. Not, not just the two blocked kicks. We're talking about a blocked field goal and then, of course, the blocked punt that led to a touchdown. Uh, not having ten guys out there after a time – only having ten guys out there mm -hmm. after a timeout, right, on the game-winning kick that was for the San Francisco Three 49ers. Three big mistakes on special teams. Uh, I believe there was a penalty on their special teams as well at one point. Was there not? Was there a false starter? Or there Didn't do a like great that? job covering kickoffs either. Yep. Uh, kickoff returns and – uh, their special teams, I think, ranked 32nd in DVOA yep. going into the game. It's, it's interesting to me that uh, pro football focus, I think, ranked Matt LaFleur the number one head coach in the NFL. How do you rank a guy number one in the NFL when he's got the worst special teams unit in the league? Uh, that's a very good point. I didn't know they had him as uh, number one. And especially, let me, let me double check this, because for a special teams grading standpoint for them, Green Bay was 31st. Oh, okay. Quick trivia. Who was 32nd? I'm not sure. I don't know. Uh, you're a special teams guy. It was the Seattle Seahawks. I thought the uh, Packers were the worst. Well, it's look, 31 the worst. Where it was a coin flip. Who at knows the, at how the they things. Regardless, Packers closed six point favorites and lose 13 to 10. Uh, the best bet there was under a total of 47 and a half. But um, I think the Packers were on so many parlays and teasers and uh, so many straight bets that the uh, the books made a killing on that game. To quote one bookmaker today, we made a killing. Okay. Yeah. Now. With the night game, of course, well, night game, the afternoon game, night game, depending on where you live in this country and in the world, um, a lot came back on the Chiefs winning that game and that game going over the total, right? We talked uh, mm -hmm. last night a little bit about that with Mike Palm, uh, who said the results, at least in terms of Chiefs winning in that game going over the total, uh, was not fantastic for books. So you give some back, but ultimately that Green Bay game is a big reason why a lot of betters' uh, hands are burning considering that they don't have a lot of money left, right? <laughs> well, if you think about the previous week, um, be careful what you wish for because the, the first week of the playoffs in a wild card weekend, yep. the games were not thrilling, but the betters cleaned up. Favorites won five out of six games, and the betters did really well. But there was so much complaining. Well, the games weren't close. The playoffs don't need to be expanded. There's too many games. Uh, stop it with the crybaby stuff. I, I said more games are always better for betters and bookmakers. And I figured that the second weekend was going to make up for the lack of great games in the first weekend. And it did, especially when you see the lines. It doesn't take a genius to figure out. And you got lines at two, three, three, and six that you're going to have more competitive games. And it's just a trend. It tends to trend that way 
anyway, when you have one weekend of poor games, the next yep. weekend you're going to have spectacular games, and that's what we had. I think we got even more than we uh, could have wished for. I'm not sure the betters uh, had as good a weekend, obviously, after Saturday. I think Sunday was okay for a lot of people, but su- Saturday was a massacre. But, again, when, uh, um, don't, don't cry about – if you're if you're cleaning up at the sports book and you're and you're uh, double fisted with uh, cash, <laughs> don't cry about the games not being competitive. When the uh, when the favorites go one and three straight up and against the spread, that's uh, probably pretty telling about how the public's going to do yeah. for the most part. So uh, now we look forward to what next week is going to be as we have the conference championship set. Uh, first off, we spent some time on the NFC championship, uh, at least one of the participants. So let's look at this as the Los Angeles Rams, of course, will play host to the San Francisco 49ers. Rams uh, looking to avoid being swept in three games by their divisional opponent, lost the first two in the regular season, one of which was that regular season comeback at the end of the year that put the 49ers in the playoffs. So we saw this open four. gets down to three and a half with a total of 46 uh, where we're standing right now. You and I discussed this on the opening lines. You know, think I think still by the time we get to kickoff this weekend, threes will probably be out there if you want to lay it with the Los Angeles Rams. If you don't want to lay that hook, you just sit back, you wait for the market to do what it does. But San Francisco is garnering some support. It got a little bit when that number got the six against the Green Bay Packers, right? Was getting it against the Dallas Cowboys mm-hmm. and is probably going to get it here against the Los Angeles Rams. Well, I think so because the Niners are 6-0. and Shanahan against McVay. Uh, Kyle Shanahan's won six straight. And yep. uh, also the Niners just got that feel right now as a hot team and a dangerous dog. And a lot of people want to get behind the Niners because of their running game and their defense. They're 10-3 in their last 13 games. Yeah, and Shanahan knows how to call plays against this Rams defense. When these teams met in Week 18, the Niners rolled up 449 total yards against the Rams. And Jimmy G, with the uh, game-winning drive, uh, played uh, probably his best game they did down the stretch. His first half in that game was not very good. His second half was great. But that's kind of been the trend for the Niners, too, to play one bad half, one good half. But that's been enough. And um, against the Cowboys, they played a great first half. Against the Packers, they played a great second half. If they could put two halves together, they'd be really dangerous. If you remember week 18, they fell behind 17-0 to the Rams, roared back in the second half to win the game. Uh, the Niners, uh, 6-0 as dogs, 6-0 against the spread as dogs in the past six meetings between the team. J- JVT, hmm. we talked about this too. It's funny when you look at the final four teams and how little some of the regular season results mean when you look at these final four. The 49ers. Did not win a home game for more than a year. Yeah. The Rams went like 10 or 11 weeks without beating a quality opponent this season. Yep. Uh, if you look at the AFC, the, uh, the Chiefs were 3-4 and four at the end of October. Uh, the Bengals got beat by the Jets. I was going to say they're the Bengals, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, come on. And uh, these are the final four teams uh, you have in the NFL. And, and not playoffs. only, by the way, got beat by the Jets. That was a stretch where they lost consecutive games. Remember, they got blown right. up by the Browns. Of course. Looked like they were dead in the water. Right. Nope. All that matters is that you're playing your best football at this point right now. And the interesting part about these Final Four teams, as we know, right, the two big guns, Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers. I mean, look at these quarterbacks that we're getting out here. Mm -hmm. The future is now, my friends. This will be the first time since the 2009 season that neither Tom Brady nor Aaron Rodgers will be in the conference championship games. That's crazy. ESPN stats and info. Well, I mean, Brady doesn't have the casual walk to an AFC championship game anymore. Well, all he had to do is win one game at home against the Rams. (laughs) And he couldn't do it. But, uh... Yeah, and all Rodgers had to do is win one home game uh, against the Niners. So, yeah, it's for the first time since 2009. No Brady, no Rodgers. We almost had no Patrick Mahomes, too. Yes, but, but that was not the case. Through. And yeah. 
Patrick Mahomes absolutely destroyed the Buffalo Bills in the last, uh, well, from the two-minute warning into overtime. Bills had no answer for that. We're going to get back to that game a little bit later in the show because we have to hear about uh, the explanation for McDermott and what was going on at the end of that game. Not much of an explanation for McDermott. Uh, big, big coaching uh, mishap there when you do not kick the ball into play on that final kickoff to force the Kansas City Chiefs to burn some time off the clock. But we'll get to that. We also have the AFC Championship game course set. We'll get to that opening number. And it's also a sneaky good card in college basketball tonight, including a a big one between Kansas and Texas Mm -hmm. Tech and a revenge spot for the Jayhawks as they look to take out the Red Raiders. A reminder, though, that it's never too early to prepare for the big game. We want to make sure VSIN is a part of your plans. We'll be with you throughout the playoffs, and then on championship weekend, we're going to have 56 hours of free video coverage on vsin.com leading up to our sixth annual live big game betcast. It's the biggest game of the year, so make plans now. Join the VSIN betting experts before, during, and after the action up on vsin.com. Hey guys, this is Matt Jones, Drew Franklin from the Fade This Podcast. We got a great episode coming up. Picks in all the sports, football, basketball, we do them all. But here's a preview of this week's episode. Nothing to do with anyone personally, but Creighton is the team every year that the nerds, you know, the basketball nerds, are like, you know, who's ready to get Creighton? You don't watch Creighton. And I'm like, I don't want to watch Creighton because I agree with Shane and the dude today. Creighton's never going to win anything. Stop talking to me about Creighton. They're not never the, not gonna, the not the Big East tournament. They're, well, I mean, they could maybe they win the Big East tournament, but it'll only be luck. But like, they're always like, you know, a sleeper team. That cool. Like that guy who I told you had eight title teams. One of his title teams was Creighton. Is not winning the national championship. It's yeah, I don't not, have him doing that. That like that's why do we all have to act like Creighton is a, is a is a good team? Creighton's like the band they all say you should know if you really knew bands. <laughs> And then they're never at any of those. Yeah, exactly. And it comes time for the Grammys, and they lose out to, like, you know, Lil Durk. And you're like, see, I knew Lil Durk was better. Why are you, t- why are you telling me? See the whole time. <laughs> and this episode was brought to you in partnership with DraftKings. To hear more, listen and subscribe to Fade This on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome to the Scene to Scene podcast. I am your host, Valerie Complex. Today, I am chatting with Ji Young Yu. Ji Young stars as co-lead in the six-part limited series, Expats. I think I learn a little bit with every character that I play. I think usually I play a character and it causes enough introspection that I learn something about myself. I honestly can't gush enough about Freaky Tales. I'm so excited to share it with more people. If you like what you hear, be sure to review, like, and subscribe to the Scene to Scene podcast. is the edge on vsin the sports betting network hey if you missed out any part of our show or anything on the vsin schedule today don't forget to check out our free sports betting podcast gets replays of all of our shows download listen on your schedule go to vsin.com slash podcast you're gonna get beating the book with gill market insights with josh applebaum we got hardwood handicappers with me Lombardi Line, Follow the Money, My Guys in the Desert, Coast to Coast Hoops, and many more. All free and available now at vcin.com slash podcast or wherever you get your podcasts. So, vcin.com slash podcasts. All right. AFC Championship game. Mm-hmm. Patrick Mahomes. Joe Burrow. I'm excited. This is going to be great. You get two young, awesome quarterbacks who are, I think are set to duke it out in a high-scoring affair. Market believes so as well, at least – 
from the opening number. Opened up 50 and a half, uh, immediately got hammered up to 54 in some spots. Now I'm looking at my screen. I think I got 54 and a half on the screen right now um, on the total for this contest. And yes, that is the case. Multiple 54s popping up. Interesting that we're starting to see two, Matt, and this is something that you and I discussed at length. And I actually have to look up the uh, New Jersey screen and bet MGM if it's still there. But uh, last night we saw a lone seven and a half at BetMGM New Jersey, right? Shaded to the dog side slightly at minus 115. Well, there's only one shop out there right now that's got a seven and a half to be, uh, I think that is uh, BetMGM as well. But Circa is actually at seven with a slight shade to the dog side at minus 115. So maybe this is the start of a small, like, you know, shift in terms of the juice toward the underdog here. We'll see. Uh, but we're probably not going to get off of the seven right throughout the week. Well, as a bookmaker, last thing you want to do is get off seven. Yeah. Uh, Chris Andrews was talking about the problem they had here at the South Point over the weekend on the Rams-Bucks game going from two and a half to three right. on that, and uh, you don't want it to land three. But I think the right number is seven, and uh, at seven and a half, you got to give the Bengals a look. And that's probably the way it's going to be bet by uh, the Sharps. You get seven in the hook, uh, the Bengals will draw a little bit more uh, sharp money. I expect that to be the way uh, the betting pattern goes this week. Chris Andrews uh, also said he likes Cincinnati a little bit in this game. He's a big Joe Burrow fan. So Joe Burrow reminds him a lot of uh, Andrew Luck, your guy. Oh, what could have been? One thing about Andrew Luck, he took too many sacks, too many hits. Hey, hey, Joe Burrow does that too. Long. Joe Burrow just took nine sacks against the Titans. Uh, the pass protection is going to be have to be a lot better. Joe Burrow's just got to get Cincinnati a little more goofy this weekend. What's you know, that? He's just got to get a little bit more goofy with the way he talks and. What not? He well, could be a. He's trying. He's close. Did you <laughs> see the glasses he wore over the weekend? And huh? <laughs> yeah, you wouldn't. I don't know if you'd be a big Joe Burrow fan off the field because he also had a SpongeBob sweater on. I think it was after yeah. their win over the Raiders. He did. Yeah. Yeah. My guy. But That's I, my I, guy. You gotta love, love the way Joe Burrow plays, and um, you give the you give the Bengals uh, a puncher's chance in Kansas City this week. Uh, the Bills should have knocked out the Chiefs and didn't get it done, and it's going to be. A coaching failure that's uh, talked about for a long time that with 13 seconds left, you score the go-ahead touchdown and you can't close out mm -hmm. the game. And part of the reason is why the kickoff went into the end zone. Now, there's been a lot of talk about squib kick. And you and I were talking about this last night on the opening line show from Circa. Squib kicks can sometimes backfire if you don't kick it the right way. You might kick a line drive that hits one of oh, the... Oh, right in the first line. And yeah, then, hits yeah. one of the up guys. Then it really backfires. The right way to do it is a bloop kick that goes over everybody on the kick return team and, and bounces at about the 15-yard line. There's an option for that on Madden. Yeah. yeah. That's that's what the Bills should have done. you got to bloop kick it over everybody, land it at about the 15, and that way you're going to get at least two, three seconds to burn off the clock. I would assume the Chiefs return guys were told... Hey, when you get the when you feel the kickoff, go down right away and kill the clock or yep. whatever. Um, you you would think that they were schooled that way. You also would think that the Bills told the told the kicker, don't blast it through the end zone. That's not a good strategy. Uh, what did Sean McDermott have to say about this? Did you consider kicking it short or maybe kicking it to the goal line after that final touchdown in the fourth quarter to maybe try to get them to run some clock by having to return the ball? Yeah, yeah, we, we, we talked about that. Um, and again, you know, I'm just going to put it on the execution at this point and, 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 and myself, Jay, I'm just going to leave it at that. What the hell what kind of answer was that? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I guess you don't want to throw you guys under the bus. Well, wait a minute. If you talked about it, did you tell the kicker not to blast it through the end zone or not? 
Did I, you tell him that or not? Because that's the way he kicked it like that. That was his instructions. The way I take it, if we're taking him at his word, and if they did discuss it, uh, there was a chance that maybe somebody, in terms of execution, forgot to not blast it through the end zone. How could you forget? That's yeah. the only job you've got. Oh, trust me. I, I agree. Uh, right? Was he not taught? I don't think the instructions were relayed properly. The communication must have broke down. It's like at the end how of the, could that happen? It's like at the end of the Bucks game, right, where Arians comes out and says, like, yeah, not everybody knew that we were supposed to blitz. And so, why, why are you blitzing anyway? <laughs> well, that's the other question, too. Yeah. But it's a, and the Buccaneers, way, by the way, blasted the kickoff through the end zone, yeah. too, with 42 seconds left. Um, I know that sometimes you get caught up in the emotions on the sideline. The Buccaneers are just tied the game. They're going berserk. The, Chief, the uh, Bills are just taking the lead on the Chiefs. Everybody's going crazy on the sideline. But somebody's got to be calm and cool and say, hey, all right, we still got to win this game. We got 13 right. seconds on the clock. Bloop the kick down to the 15-yard line. How can you not uh, relay that? instruction properly to the kicker. I just don't understand it. Yep. I agree. And it screws over a chance for you here. 13 seconds left, right, if you execute this properly. And up 36-33, Bills had a 91% chance to win, according to ESPN's win probability. Which actually should have been about 98%. Yeah. Well, maybe they factored in that Sean McDermott wouldn't communicate the fact that, uh, <laughs> right, you don't blast it through the end zone. 13 seconds left. Come on, man. I mean, that, that's a, I, would, I would assume that's a model that has a lot of respect for Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs offense. And Patrick Mahomes is the, uh, the wild card in that. Right. I, I do agree. That's why if it's not Mahomes, it should be about 98%. But Mahomes, <laughs> I guess you can make it 91 or 92%. Absolutely incredible. So Mahomes makes it back uh, to the AFC Championship game, his uh, third appearance. Right? And not just Mahomes, by the way. Also... Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill. How about that big catch Tyreek oh, Hill had? Well, Tyreek Hill, well, so that, then that's, you saw, right? Because you and I spoke a lot about like the drive by Josh Allen, right? But on the flip side of this, I saw like yesterday, you saw just how much talent Kansas City has in their offense. Mm -hmm. It was Tyreek Hill getting that catch with about five defenders all in kind of oh, a space yeah. where they could get him and outrunning every single person, flashing the deuces as he gets into the end zone for the touchdown. And then Travis Kelsey and how smart he is, not only getting the ball and catching it, knowing he's in field. You talk about execution mm -hmm. under pressure, knowing he's in field goal range, and then getting it, dropping down, and then immediately going to call the timeout afterwards. Mm -hmm. Like that, that's, that was really impressive, but you saw how talented that team was. And the note we talked about yesterday, Patrick Mahomes, not a single pass defended yesterday. By the Buffalo Bills. Right. Was just finding everything. And we, we talked about this while you were gone um, last week. It was part of kind of like a do the numbers thing where if you looked at the first game and something you and I discussed, the Bills didn't blitz him one time, right? The Bills didn't blitz him one time. He had trouble with it. The first few weeks of the season, actually through weeks 13, was just all over the place when teams weren't blitzing him. Yesterday, didn't have a single throw of more than 20 yards downfield, kept everything short and intermediate, and was great. Mm -hmm. And if you look for weeks 13 through the wild card game, he had been destroying teams who hadn't been blitzing him, completing 70% of his passes, 12 touchdowns and one interception. And you saw yesterday, man, like he's, he's incredible. Like he's adapting and he's learning and he's, it sounds like I'm talking about like a cyborg, but it's true. Like he's, he has taken one of the weaknesses that was in his game and he's improved on it over the last six weeks. Well, that's when defenses adjust to your game, it's, uh, it's like a game of chess. And yep. It's your turn to make an adjustment. And Patrick Mahomes has done that. 974 total yards in that game yesterday, 552 of those by the Chiefs. And, you know, there's been a lot of complaining about the NFL's overtime format, too, uh, where Josh Allen never got a chance to touch the ball. Same thing happened to Patrick Mahomes, yep. remember, three years ago against Tom Brady in the AFC Championship game. Uh, what what's your solution? Are you okay with the current NFL overtime rules, or do you think I said I believe there should just be a ten minute period and you play it 
uh, like an extra quarter. You play an extra 10-minute quarter, and when that's over, uh, if it's still tied, then it's, then you go to sudden death on a yeah. coin flip. You had 10 minutes to win the game. You didn't get it done. Now we're going to a coin flip. Pritch and I were talking about it. Like I feel like something like that, the issue would be, does the NFL PLA uh, allow that considering that's the full extra quarter of play plus potentially something else afterwards? Well, this is just tied. for the playoffs. No, so right. I'm not talking about the regular season. Yeah. So just in the playoffs, you got to make an exception. But uh, but for me, like, look, this is, this is the oldest man take that I have. Okay? <laughs> you have an opportunity to get the ball. You just stop the other team. I understand that too. But you knew, you and I talked about this last night. I even said it before the overtime. Whoever wins the coin flip is going to win the game. Right. Because both defenses were gassed. They couldn't get a stop. My thing is. And whoever won the coin flip was going to drive down the field and win the game. And you knew it was going to happen. My thing is, if, if this game is ended in regulation, right, but we watched on Saturday morning. Joe Burrow didn't get a shot to get the ball, right? Or Ryan Tannehill didn't get a shot I'm to not get the ball in about overtime. It. I'm not crying We wouldn't about be it. having this conversation. Right. I just think there's a little bit better way maybe to do it. Right. But, uh, I don't think it's a terrible this? format. It's better than the old format, much better than the old format. You want this? Yeah. Okay. My new overtime rules is everybody gets a, sh- everybody gets a shot, right? You start from your own 20, but you remove pass rushers and offensive line. So it's just seven on seven. Oh, no. Come on. Let's go. <laughs> and then after that, you have a kicking competition. Let's we'll just have a punt, pass, and kick competition. <laughs> right. Okay. Yeah. That's all you got to do. It'd be incredible. <laughs> Tell me you wouldn't watch it, at least. It'd be a lot of fun. It's like hockey where you put, you know, you get three guys on the ice. Okay. All right. We'll come back. We have plenty left to get to on the other side. Let's talk with Chuck Esposito, Red Rock Sportsbook Director. We'll get the bookmaker's perspective right from his mouth about how the weekend went and what we're looking forward to this coming weekend. And as I mentioned, uh, we'll have a part of best bets, but a big college basketball card, sneaky good one here today on this Monday. So we'll discuss in depth on three big games, including one in the Mountain West, San Diego State, and one of the worst basketball games I've ever seen in my life trying to bounce back (laughs) against UNLV later today. This is The Edge on VSEN, the sports betting network. Check out our big game, big dance special. Our all-new special provides VSIN Plus all access to everything we do from now through April 5th for only $69. Sign up now, get our daily best bet emails, 24-7 video access, the upcoming big game in college hoops betting guys, plus full access to vcin.com with our exclusive betting split breakdowns on every game. One of the most exciting betting seasons of the year is coming, so don't miss out one of our best deals of the year. Visit vcin.com slash big deal to sign up today. Let's welcome with Chuck Esposito, the head honcho of the big cheese over at Red Rock Sportsbook. Chuck, it's good to talk to you. Uh, We loved the weekend of football action. From a viewing perspective, it was absolutely fantastic. From a bookmaking perspective, it was what? I think my blood pressure is just starting to come down, guys. Um, It was uh, phenomenal football, um, but uh, you you had a, a huge kind of swing going into that Bills game, no question about it. We were big-time Chief fans on this side of the counter. (laughs) Uh, Chuck, how do you explain the Bills losing that lead with uh, 13 seconds to go? I think, Matt, it's simply, I mean, you you can't give guys like Mahomes, Brady, Rodgers, even Allen any kind of time. Uh, The fact that they didn't, you know, kind of squib kick that and they kicked it out of the end zone was probably the only chance that Kansas City had because it gave them two two plays. I mean, you think about it. They didn't even use the entire 13 seconds. It took them 10 seconds to get into field goal range. They still had three seconds left on the clock. Granted, 
anybody could always return a kick for a touchdown. It happens less and less in this league. Uh, to squib kick it, they probably would have got the ball with about maybe seven or eight seconds to go. If that, maybe time for one play, which would have had been a scoring play. Uh, they just didn't. Uh, when kicking out of the end zone again, I think they just left Mahomes too much time. Chuck Esposito of the Red Rock Sportsbook with us. Uh, Chris Andrews here at the South Point said the wagering handle was a monster over the weekend. Did you see the same thing at uh, Station Casinos, Chuck? We did, Matt. You know, it, it was one of the, the biggest uh, um, divisional round handles that I can remember. And the dogs garnered a lot of play. Um, there was a lot of, you know, liability going into that Bills-Chiefs game with guests that had an all-dog parlay going into the Bills. I think the biggest stunner was maybe the Bengals beating the Titans. Um, but overall, great handle, great atmosphere, huge crowds in the book. Um, and it was a fun weekend. Those are, you know, sometimes you get blowouts like you did in the, in the wild card round. But these four games with three walk-off field goals and then the overtime touchdown were pretty exciting. All right, Chuck, Saturday was a huge day for bookmakers. I know that. And a big reason was the, uh, the Packers going down. You're a Bears fan. We talk about it a lot. Do you think that's the last we've seen of Aaron Rodgers as a Packers quarterback? I think it's absolutely the last we've seen is Aaron Rodgers as a Packers quarterback. Okay. They are $50 million over the cap. They still have to decide what to do with Devontae Adams. Uh, they've got a number of players on defense, including Smith, that they have to re-sign. I just don't see any way that he comes back there without Adams. I don't know how they fit that under the cap without re- letting go a lot of other players. I think he's done playing in Green Bay, and I think it's going to be interesting to see where he ends up. I would say Denver uh, and Pittsburgh, for me, are two teams at the top of the list. Interesting. See, I don't know if uh, Pittsburgh, personally, I don't know if Pittsburgh's just a quarterback away uh, from competing, but... Yeah, we got a whole offseason to discuss that. All right, Chuck. Their playoff team, you know, you look at the receivers and a young tight end and a young running back and a, and a pretty good defense. I'm not sure they're not just a quarterback away. All right, Chuck, let's go to the uh, championship weekend then and discuss where these games are and where they're going to ultimately head. Uh, we'll start with the NFC championship game. Uh, what do you expect here? San Francisco 49ers, Los Angeles Rams. Uh, we're sitting at, it looks like, three and a half of the total of 46, but where are you guys at over at stations, and where do you expect this to go? Because I keep saying that it probably heads to three before it gets back to four, but what do you think? I totally agree with you, JVT. Uh, we did open at three. They, they drove us up a little bit in this game. Uh, but I think it's only a matter of time before it's a, it's a big take. You have to remember the Niners have beat the Rams six straight times. Um, they're kind of that team that everybody is backing right now. Both these teams are good, kind of similar physical styles. Uh, but I think anything over three presents tremendous value for the Niners. And my guess is that we will be back there sometime by mid or late in the week. How about you, Chuck? Do you believe in the Rams here or um... – when you look at the Niners and their six straight wins in the series, does that mean more to you than the way the Rams uh, have played the last couple weeks? And they, these teams, by the you way, know, just played throw in that out a little bit, Matt. But, yeah, yeah. I mean, the Rams, the Rams were up seventeen zero in that game mm-hmm. um, and totally had dominated before they let the Niners come back. I just think, you know, two teams that have played each other twice already, they know each other well. Niners had a huge win early in the season where they kind of blew them out midseason and then had that big comeback. Uh, this is kind of the first time the Rams, too, have been really healthy outside of, of um, uh, Wood. So you look at the Ram team, they were built for this. No number one draft picks since 2016. Uh, no number one picks for another few years between Miller and, and Ramsey and Donald and, and what they gave up for Stafford. They're built to win that. 
now. Um, and it's a fun Niner team to watch, too. I think overall the Niners are a better team than the Packers when you look at their lineup from top to bottom. Um, whoever we need in this game, happy to root for. But I clearly think, guys, there is a lot of value on the Niners over three. All right, let's go to the uh, AFC Championship game then, Chuck. So, uh, obviously, it's going to be sitting on seven pretty much all week with a total of about 54, 54 and a half. Uh, is, this as, is it simple as saying, hey, you know what? The sharper better is going to be on Cincinnati. Public's going to be coming in and pounding your counter for Kansas City all week long. It might be, but you, you might see some public on Cincinnati, too. I mean, that offense is awfully good. They beat the Chiefs late in the season, 34-31. Um, and, and you look at that Chief defense yesterday, and, God, Buffalo did have their way with them. I know they win the game, and Cincinnati's pretty dynamic. When you look at Burrow, and you could have Higgins and Boyd in the slot, kind of similar to how the, um, the, the Bills had Davis there yesterday, and you've got Chase, who had the big game against Kansas City last time. It's not going to surprise me to see some, some Bengal money come in here too just because of the way they play offense now defensively they're not nearly as good as buffalo and we saw what buffalo gave up um to kansas city yesterday so i could see this game being a, a really high scoring affair um but i don't think the bengals offense is scared of that chiefs defense guys yeah the total last night opened 50 and a half and it's up to 54 or 54 and a half chuck so i assume you're anticipating uh, over money which i've already had sharp money over that early opener uh, but you're anticipating that Better's going to play that Bengals-Chiefs game over the total of 54? I think so, Matt. I mean, again, they played each other once. It was 34-31, and um, the Chiefs were way up in that game before the Bengals came back. Granted, right. there was some big pass interference penalties that, that kind of aided Cincinnati in that one. But, I mean, you think about yesterday, um, with I think a minute and 14 or a minute and 18 seconds to go, the game was still under um, in that Chiefs-Bills game, and it went flying over. I think with, with Joe Burrow in that offense and Mahomes in that offense, uh, scoring could easily be at a premium and very similar uh, to what we saw yesterday in the Bills-Chiefs game. So to give you an idea, and this is a very small uh, sample size here, but I saw a great Twitter thread. Uh, David DeMann put it up and asked, how high would the Bengals-Chiefs total need to be for you to go under? Some of the responses, 68 and a half, 61 and a half, uh, 80, 58. I'm going under 68 and a half, just so you know. Uh, 59 and a half, 67, 60, 73 and a half. So it gives you an idea, think, of maybe where some public bettors are leaning. I think they're leaning you over, over the total. I think so too, boys, yep. Uh, Chuck, what Super Bowl matchup do you expect us to be talking about Sunday night uh, when we're on the opening line show? What do you think it's going to be, KC and the Rams or not? I think it's going to be KC and the Rams, guys. Okay. I think it's going to be you know back-to-back -back years that you've got a team playing in their home stadium, um, uh, and I think that's an intriguing matchup. I think even for, for props, you've got a lot of guys on both sides that make it fun. Um, you look at the Chiefs' offense, as dynamic as they are, and this Rams' defense that we talked about heading into this season was built to win a Super Bowl. They'd be in their home stadium, back-to-back -back years. How would you like to be the Chiefs? In back-to-back -back years, you have to play in the opposition's home stadium. But that's what I think it's going to work out, guys. I've seen a look ahead line for that matchup. I think Chiefs minus one and a half, even though it's a de facto home game for yeah. the Rams, right? Yeah, well, and we've talked, right? We were talking about this mm -hmm. already. I mean, it's de facto home game, but they have an actual home game this weekend. It sounds like the 49ers fans are going to show up in droves this weekend. So yeah. it's not even that strong of a home field. They did they did in week 18. If you remember when these yep. two teams played, that was one of the gripes that the Rams kind of had is that there was, you know, so much kind of red and gold throughout the stands that night that it, it almost felt like a home game for the 49ers. Yeah, yeah I don't understand all that whining either. I, I don't think there were many Rams fans in Tampa 
on uh, Sunday, and the Rams seemed to play pretty well, building a 27-3 lead. The, the fans didn't really affect the game. Uh, Chuck, do you agree with that? If it's uh, if the favorites hold and it's Chiefs-Rams, that the Chiefs will be uh, slight favorites on the Super Bowl opener Sunday night? I could see it even being picked, guys. Okay. Um, we've kind of had that conversation. I know a few people have said, oh, I could see Kansas City being three or more. I don't think that's the case. I think it's definitely less than that. But it wouldn't surprise me to see it come around pick. Yeah, either way, uh, no matter what the Super Bowl matchup is, you have four offenses who can score. So I would assume that it's going to be a fun Super Bowl regardless of what we're going to get. All right, Chuck. Well, it's good to talk to you, man. We appreciate the time. Thank you very much. All right. Thanks, guys. Enjoyed it. Say right now, if you're giving, I, I like Patty Mahomes and the Chiefs. You're giving me three. If it's the Rams, I'm in with the Rams. You take, uh, yeah. If you, <clears throat> I think if the Chiefs are three point favorites in the Super Bowl, you'd have to take the full three. I don't expect that to be the number. I think the Chiefs are going to oh, be yeah. favored by less than three. It's probably going to be one and a half or two, something like that. What about you? What's the total got to be for you to bet it under sixty-seven and a half? I'm not playing the total. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, we'll come back. We have best bets. We get to college hoops. So we'll roll through those best bets pretty quickly so we can look at what's going to happen in college drinks on the hardwoods. Yet, yeah, shared VSIN, the sports betting network. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. Everyone, please welcome Coach John Calipari. We're getting beat by 18. My first game in Kentucky. They're saying Cal's a bust. He can't coach. This is crazy. John Wall runs down the floor and makes a buzzer beater. Yep. You remember that, John? My first game win I ever made. Remember you said you never seen me do that. Ladies and gentlemen, DeMarcus Boogie Cousins. I called Boogie. I'm like, yo, bro, I'm about to commit to Duke. And I hung up on him. <laughs> Bro, I'm talking about, do you want to tell me how many times he called me all type of names? Bro, you really sold me out. You doing this. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, I was sick. I remember that like yesterday, man. Love you, John Wall. Thanks, Coach. Love you, too. You made me everything I am today. Nah, you made me. You made me. I love it. Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. It wasn't even supposed to be That's my That's my game. <laughs> Hi, I'm Antonia Blythe, and this is 20 Questions on Deadline. Joining me today is Alison Bree. Welcome, Alison. We got second place in my seventh grade lip sync contest for one of the songs on that album. The one that was like, you've already won me over. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. It's like very of all slow. The, of all the options. In spite of me. <laughs> like, what did we do? It's so slow. Don't forget to listen to 20 Questions on Deadline. Thank you again, Alison. Thank you. This is The Edge on VSIN, the sports betting network. All right, stay tuned for JVT's best bets on the Australian Open. Welcome back. This segment of The Edge is brought to you by Zen Nicotine Pouches. 
A fresh way to enjoy nicotine without all the baggage of cigarettes, dip, or vape. No more smelling like an ashtray. No more spit cups. Zen nicotine pouches are smoke-free, spit-free, and available in 10 varieties like spearmint, wintergreen, citrus, and more. And for your convenience, each variety comes in two strengths. You can easily find the satisfaction level that's perfect for you. Zen, America's number one nicotine pouch, is available in over 100,000 locations nationwide, so it's never been easier to find your Zen. Head to zen.com slash find to locate a store near you. Zyn.com slash find. Warning, this product contains nicotine, and nicotine is an addictive chemical. Do you get any uh, tennis best bets for us? Uh, no, but a big upset earlier today in the uh, the women's side. Salalenka oh. gets uh, ousted. I watched some of the tennis this morning, yeah. Yep. I, I did not I, bet the tennis. Well, That's Gil Alexander's area of expertise. I, I will say, in uh, all seriousness, I would assume, because I like I like it when I'm up late at night. That's got to be right up your alley, right? Late yeah. night live sports. Oh, yeah. I, I love late open night. Sprite. Live late night sports, European golf, Australian yep. Open, Abu sure. Dhabi this last weekend. Mm-hmm. All right, best bets. Want to roll through these quickly because there's a lot of college hoops we, we should get to before we get out of here. Uh, so recap from Friday: uh, Double L's, uh, Thunder plus nine and a half, get smoked by the Charlotte Hornets and the Wizards. This was tough. Uh, hour and a half, eh, like an hour and a half, two hours before tip off. Uh, Kyle Kuzma, ooh, next spasms, not going to play. Mm. Uh, ultimately, the Raptors close as two and a half point favorites and. Uh, win the game. Wizards led most of the first half, collapsed in the third, came back, made it the game, but ultimately fall, I think it was by six. So for today, this is just a play. It's not. A, it's a short slate, but this is a play based uh, solely on some information. Uh, the Chicago Bulls, the end of a small three-game road trip. Matt Eubens here against the Oklahoma City Thunder on a little bit of a slide, but it's because they're a little dinged up. We saw mm-hmm. the news about Lonzo Ball, Alex right. Caruso missing time now because of Grayson Allen. But they're flying Zach Levine and Javante Green out to, to this game in Oklahoma City. It's the end of a three-game road trip. They're back at home on Wednesday. I would assume you're not flying those guys out there to watch the game from the sidelines. <laughs> so uh, it looks like they're probably going to be available here tonight for them. So I will uh, play it just based on the fact that I think they're both going to be available. And when that happens, this is going to get bumped up to about three. And the Bulls are going to be in a little bit of a better spot. So give me the Bulls minus one and a half. Still plenty out there as both Green and Levine are questionable for this game officially. A uh, weekend recap, nothing to add yet because, as we've talked about, uh, that Bengals number is probably going to sit on seven all week long. So you got all week to just sit there and see what the market does with it before you play it. But a recap of the divisional round, Packers minus five is a loss, uh, but wins with the Rams plus three and the Chiefs minus one and a half. So a solid weekend overall in the National Football League. What about for you, sir? By the way, I watched the replay again last night of uh, both games. Yeah. You know how close the Rams were to losing that game? On first down on the last drive, Matthew Stafford ran up the middle, and he was hit by two defenders and actually fumbled. He had to, like, reach out and, like, (laughs) desperately grab at the ball to get it back. That close to losing the game, if uh, the Bucks recover that fumble, kick a field goal and win by three. I lost on Buccaneers minus two and a half, and I was the wrong side. Um, that, that was actually, you know, I should have told Santos to pull that. Wes was sca- scathing in your review, in his review of your play there. Why? Called you a square, remember? Just called him a square multiple times. Wes? Yeah. Wes has made a lot of square plays himself. <laughs> <laughs> we got to pull it. I, I may or may not have put words in his mouth repeatedly. No. Uh, th- here's the thing. <laughs> I was laying less than three with uh, Tom Brady at home against so, Stafford, and I thought the, uh, I was not going to lay three, but I laid two and a half. And when the South Point went to two and a half, I thought that was uh, the buy sign on the Buccaneers. Now, I want to say this about Brady. Uh, when I w- watched that game yesterday, I thought he got off to a poor start. On the first drive of the game out near midfield, it's third and long, and a running back comes out of the backfield to the left, wide open. Mm-hmm. 
if Brady dumps it to the running back, he's got 15 yards, first down, and they're in Rams territory. He could have set a different tone for the game. Instead, he tried to force a throw to Rob Gronkowski in double coverage. He gets knocked away, and they got a punt. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought Brady was a little bit off uh, just from the start yesterday. The entire first half, he didn't play well. I think he it really a, didn't get it going until the fourth quarter. I think it was like their second to last drive or their last drive. Uh, Scotty Miller like finds a spot behind the defense and he's wide open sitting there waving to Brady and yeah. Brady's the whole time he's just looking at the left side doesn't find him and mm-hmm. ultimately throws the ball incomplete so seemed to be a little uh, rattled dare you say well, I don't know. you know it's what's strange about it is and uh, when I laid two and a half with the Bucks I was betting on Brady basically yep. and uh, and the Bucks were also healthy on defense they had all eleven starters um, that they opened the season with on the field yesterday but. He did not play well, really didn't play well in the NFC playoffs last year. And I thought yesterday's game was one of the worst games I saw him play the entire season. I agree. And I'm not sure why, but right from the start, he was a little bit off. All right, let's get to uh, uh, college hoops. And uh, we'll go to one of your best bets here tonight because over the weekend, I played Kansas State plus seven against Kansas. K-State's up 16 at the half. I think it was 50 to 34. Almost... Went to overtime and lost the game. Didn't even get the game to overtime. Lost 78 to 75. And uh, K-State got got the cash plus seven, but blew the game. And it was, do you know it was the largest halftime, the largest comeback from a halftime deficit in Kansas basketball history? Really? Yeah. Hmm. So I wonder tonight off that emotional game, Bill Self's father passed away and he was emotional after the game. And that's a huge comeback to beat your rival. If this might be a good spot to bet against the Jayhawks tonight, and this Texas Tech team's playing pretty well. Yeah, and so this is for me, like, I'm going to start to dive in a little bit more into college hoops and kind of, you know, shake the muscles out and start to get into handicapping. And so uh, I've misread the market here. This is actually up to seven and a half in one spot, eight now, uh, as we've been on the air. So uh, misreading the market, but still, you mentioned the spot. I agree with everything there. And keep in mind, yeah, well, this is a revenge spot, right, for the loss in Lubbock for Kansas mm-hmm. when these two teams played last. Texas Tech, they're 6-1 ATS in conference play. Lone loss, of course, coming to Kansas State. And they're better. Terrence Shannon Jr. has three games under his belt now, and he played really well over the weekend against West Virginia. And this is a Kansas team that I think has been a little overvalued by the market. They're 1-4 against the number in their last five games, or 8-9-1 against the number on the season. And you mentioned the spot, all these things together. I like the way this Texas Tech team is playing, especially defensively. One of their best offensive players is back, so... I'll take seven. Again, wrong number because it's up to seven and a half now, but I think the Red Raiders will be pretty live tonight. Uh, these teams played January 8th. Yep. Tech was a seven-point home dog. I thought that number was too high. Uh, that oh, night, yeah. and Tech won that game by eight, 75 to 67 in uh, Lubbock. Um, all right, so I went with a, another dog tonight in the same price range, St. John's plus seven and a half against Seton Hall. This is an immediate rematch. These teams are playing back-to-back. They played Saturday. And Seton Hall won the game 66-60. to St. John's, uh, I thought, had one of its uh, worst offensive games. St. John's can be an erratic offensive team, but the two best players, Julian Chapagne and uh, Posh Alexander, shot a combined six for 25 in mm-hmm. that game. Those guys are going to play better tonight. I love these back-to-back conference spots where the um, St. John's has got a chance to get revenge here and is catching a big number uh, of seven and a half. Uh, I think I think the Johnnies are in a great spot here tonight to maybe get an outright win. Uh, you give me seven and a half, I'll take it. I expect a much better offensive performance uh, from the Red Storm in uh, that game. So I don't make a lot of forays into Big East basketball, but I'm yeah. taking the seven and a half with uh, St. John's uh, tonight. All right. 
one in the Mountain West we should yeah, talk let's about. Do it. I want to get there. UNLV and San Diego State. Uh, like you said, as great as the Bills Chiefs game was Sunday, that's how bad the Boise San Diego State basketball game was it Saturday was- night. 42 to 37 was the final score. Aztecs lost at home as uh, four point favorites. They lost by five. Tonight they're laying ten and a half to the Rebels in San Diego. Yeah, it was fitting that that game was side by side with the, the Packers 49ers game. It was watching both of those. Like, God, this I was sucks. Watch them both. <laughs> uh, but so for me, there's a couple of things. One, I think you start with the run of Rebels from a personnel standpoint. Over the weekend, right, uh, the, um, they complete the sweep over San Jose State right after they lose to Air Force, by the way. Uh, but Donovan Williams, their best shooter by percentage, and uh, their second-ranked player in terms of usage, mm-hmm. didn't play. It was like 20 minutes for tip, and all of a sudden he's like, oh, no, he's not, he's not playing. He's not available. So what his status is for this game is going to be pretty important. And for me, it's rebounding. Like, San Diego State sucks offensively. If you look at a lot of their numbers, their offensive efficiency is in the tank, uh, effective field goal percentage, shooting. But what they do is what they do every single year, just crash the glass, get offensive rebounds, second-chance points. And if Williams isn't going to be there, right, if you're going to be a little shorthanded in the front court, I just don't know if the UNLV is going to be able to keep San Diego State off the glass enough here. But it seems like, a, on the surface, it seems like a big number given a inefficient offense that's going to be out there for San Diego State. Yeah, Aztec scored 23 points in the first half and 14 in the second half. Yeah, yeah, uh, that was yeah. one of the ugliest uh, offensive performances I've ever seen. Speaking of that, Arizona State's playing tonight. <laughs> Arizona State had 29 points in the game early this season, and Bobby Hurley suspended for tonight's game against USC, which is a 12-point favorite. So, as far as this UNLV-San Diego State game, uh, I, th- I thought the number was a little bit too high, but if Donovan Williams does not play, right. I don't even think – He's really factored into the number. I don't think he's moved the number at all. We did see an 11 out there. If he plays, I think that number is too high. But you can't make that bet right now because if Donovan Williams doesn't play, I give the Rebels about a five percent chance to win the game, mm-hmm. and uh, they're going to get and they could get blown out. You got to think it's going to be an angry Aztecs team after that embarrassing performance on Saturday night. 0.6 points per possession for the Aztecs in that game. Absolutely. That, that high? Yeah, yeah, right. All right, uh, we're all done <laughs> with this. Uh, my guys in the desert coming to the next. Speaking of the Aztecs, Stormy will take you here for the next hour. Uh, we'll be back, of course, tomorrow, 1 p.m. Pacific time here on VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network. Make sure you check out everything that you missed over on VEASAN.com slash podcasts and just everything we have to offer up on VEASAN.com. We'll see you. Zigazoo has made me zigzag. What I mean by that is I swore I would never let my kids on social media, but now I'm setting them loose on Zigazoo. Zigazoo is a space for kids to post videos they've created and to share them with other kids just like them. Videos that are moderated by actual people. And since there are no comments or messaging, you don't have to worry about social trolling. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network for kids. Download the Zigazoo app today. Welcome to the Scene to Scene podcast. I am your host, Valerie Complex. Today, I am chatting with Ji Young Yu. Ji Young stars as co-lead in the six-part limited series, Expats. I think I learn a little bit with every character that I play. I think usually I play a character and it causes enough introspection that I learn something about myself. I honestly can't gush enough about Freaky Tales. I'm so excited to share it with more people. If you like what you hear, be sure to review, like, and subscribe to the Scene to Scene podcast.